head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast the pride of limerick the young man named sean sheehan the mma media don graham mcdonald the severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot. And I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 224 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Shawnee Podcast, a.k.a. Shawnee Sheehan sometimes. I believe some people call me Shawnee Sheehan at the odd times, but it's mostly Shawnee Podcast. Joined today... Sean by the dark height of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald, as we talk about a yeah, big, busy week. In the world of MMA. What, what about Dark Kai? He was some man, wasn't he? Himself in Park. Fucking tearing shit up there in the, the mid-2000s in the, in the Premier League. We don't have players like them anymore, do we? Legends yeah. in the game. Once-in-a-lifetime athletes like, like Dirk Coy. <laughs> I, I, like, Dirk Coy didn't, is... didn't, didn't he go to Holland back to the Netherlands and like win the league with his, his boyhood club as well before retiring? And then, like, Feyenoord or... or... Maybe I'm wrong, but he won the league anyway. Like, and they hadn't won the league in decades, and Dirk he went back, won, won the league with them, and then retired. He wasn't satisfied. <laughs> Man, he was never satisfied. Yeah, running around like a lunatic. Yeah, well, sure, he'd have to go there to win the league. He couldn't win one with Liverpool. Oh, hey! It's terrible. <laughs> Scored the Champions League final in Athens when I was Did there. It? Jesus, yeah. was that you lost? Was that the one you lost? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and Zaggy punched it into the net off a pure love free kick. Yeah, legend. Well, that, that, that was the year after you won it, wasn't it? The, the, the year Two years, after you, yeah, 2007, yeah. Paid him off, yeah. Um, but anyway, any more crack with you, Graham? How was the week? Getting getting a bit warm now again. Well, good, good, good to talk about the Champions of Europe to, to start things off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The super, the super Champions of Europe, too. Oh, yeah, that's super got some joke. <laughs> oh, I, actually, I have a new podcast as well, uh, soccer podcast, True Balls podcast. So if uh, you want to tune into that, myself, and my friend, I don't remember this advertising meeting. My memory isn't too good, though. So maybe <laughs> myself, and my friend JJ Murphy, are doing this. So subscribe. It's up everywhere except Spotify, and it should be there soon. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Right, I suppose we better talk a little bit about uh, about MMA and. Um, where to start? I suppose Conor McGregor. Where, where else would we be starting? You know, we're uh, we're probably accused an awful lot of talking too much about Conor McGregor. And if anyone listens to this podcast, we probably we probably don't talk about him as much as we should in in recent times. I suppose because uh, you know there hasn't really been much to talk about in terms of MMA. There's been a lot of things outside the cage, and you know we talked about him. We, we spent a good what 10, 15 minutes last week talking about that whole incident and everything like that. But obviously he's come out. And done the interview with Ariel uh, this week. And it was an interview which divides opinion. And I suppose if you're like, if you're a a fan of MMA, if you're not a Conor McGregor fan, non-stop fan, no matter what he does, fan or a hater, no matter what he does, hater, you should be, uh, your opinion should be torn in this too, I think. I, I really think it should, like... What, what Conor McGregor came out and said in that interview with Ariel, I think was m- almost universally good. You know, uh, he seemed contrite. He seemed like, you know, everything that he's done, he seemed like he got it. He seemed like, you know, he's fucking up for a long time. What we said in the podcast last week, if anyone listened to it, you know, he needs to just stop this shit, basically. Um, so that it was that all sounded good. But the, the other side of it then is, it's all it's just words at the end of the day like will it change will he do stuff you know he's saying he's working every day to to change his life you know i don't know whether that's true or not now maybe it is true i don't know whether it's true or whether it's not true it could be absolute bullshit or it could be absolute truth or maybe it's somewhere in between but the only thing uh, and the only truth that we will get out of it will come with time so if you know if something happens in two weeks again you'll know it's bullshit. If something happens in a month again, you'll know it's bullshit. If Conor McGregor comes back, there's be nothing about him in, you know, in the papers or in, uh, you know, in, in any court documents or anything like that. In six months' time and he comes back and he fights and he looks well, you'll know it's all true. You'll know he, he's changing things around because he has the ability to change it around if he wants to. Like, I've spoken before, people have asked questions about who McGregor should fight, and we'll, we'll get to that and stuff in, in a few minutes on the podcast, and like I basically said, I find it very hard to see him winning 
any fights at the moment. You know, he's had a lot of injuries over the last while. You know, fought Habib once. He's admitted himself. Uh, or sorry, the the Habib fight is the only fight he's had in like three years, apart from you know the McGregor uh, boxing bout. And he's admitted himself his preparations for that were terrible. He was half committed. A, a direct quote from himself. So for someone to have one half committed MMA camp in three years and come back and expect to fight Tony Ferguson, uh, uh, Gaethje or anything like that. That's unrealistic to me when he's getting into this sort of trouble, you know, when he's throwing phones, when he's punching out lads in bars and stuff like that. Very unrealistic to me. But if someone comes back and spends six months training, getting back into shape, sparring, getting back into where they need to get fully committed, can they come back when they have the talent of Conor McGregor? I think they can, yeah. The the issue is, will he do that? You know, will he put his, this whiskey business aside for six months and concentrate on fighting nonstop? Will he put the clothing business aside? Because that's what he needs. And you know how we know he needs that because he has told us i remember an interview he did i think it was with our i think it was with maybe even you or ariel or someone uh and he said um it's an obsession for me george st pierre said the same i I remember i i i I think i'm not sure it was but he said he was over in uh it was over in manchester or nottingham one of them at the ufc's and uh the, you know, he, he was like, I know nothing about rugby, I know nothing about soccer, I know nothing about anything. All I know is MMA. All you know, it's a pure yeah, obsession. At the start of the me. documentary, he's like, has the the gloves, and he's talking about that. He's like, uh, if I'm talking about football, if I'm talking about rugby, I'm talking bullshit. I don't know anything about mm-hmm. that. But if I'm talking fighting, then that's what I. That's and that's, that's how you become. That's what I'm obsessed with. I don't know mm-hmm. anything about it, anything else that's going on. That's how you become the guy who dismantles Eddie Alvarez. That's how you become that guy. Isn't it? What do you think? Do you like? Do you think that's where he needs to get? If he wants to get back to the very best, if he wants that beat Habib, he needs to put everything to his side and just become that fighter again. Yeah, well, like I think Connor talked before years ago about having family and all that stuff is a distraction. Mm-hmm. Um, before he had this, before he had a family, before he, uh, he had kids, he he was talking about that about other fighters and when he has, the, as you mentioned, like whiskey business and clothing and all these other things going on, left and right people pulling out of him, do this, do that. It is hard to stay as dedicated and as focused as when you're when literally all you have is to do is you know. Uh, Go down and collect your dole on Tuesday, and then eat and train. And mm-hmm. Like you know, it's it's easy to it's easy to be concentrated, or it's easier to be concentrated and focused one hundred percent. I think for all these fighters, there's outside distractions. It is hard to be focused one hundred percent. Even back then, I'm sure he had things going on uh, in his life, but with all these huge huge obligations he has, it is, and having all these things hanging over you, like people people don't like you can be you can be a big superstar or whatever but having like you know uh this assault or whatever in the pub mm-hmm. over over a drink hanging over you is definitely like, takes your focus off you like you must be thinking about that a little bit at least so it's very hard to it's very hard to be 100 percent focused uh in his position i think but is the first step of of realizing of changing it is realizing and saying it to yourself like and seeing what's going on so he said that he's seen he sees what's going on so i suppose that is the first step to changing it if you if you don't see it you're never going to change it 100 mm-hmm. percent. and i think like um the thing about him as well is like he seems to have like an obsessive and kind of an addictive personality and you know he was obviously had an obsession and addiction to mma and he still actually seems to still have that you know with that interview when he was talking about you know i watched from the prelims to the main event and he still seems to have that but you know, it seems like he got that for fame as well. And, you know, fame, when you're in a position like Conor McGregor, it's a bit like a food addiction. That you, like, if you have an addiction to to, to something else, to, to heroin, we'll say, you can give up heroin. You know, it's going to be very hard, but you can go cold turkey or, you know, wean yourself off it and eventually never touch heroin ever again. You can't ever not touch food ever again. You can't ever not touch fame ever again if you're Conor McGregor. You can't just go into the woods and live there for the rest of your life. I suppose you can, but that's not realistic, especially when, like, the answer for Conor McGregor is probably fighting. You know, him getting back into MMA, him getting back to the top of the UFC or, you know, towards the top of the UFC or whatever or whatever. That's probably the answer to you know to Conor McGregor's issues here, and I think he knows that, and I think a lot of people know that. Um, so look, it's 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 tough because there is there you have to find that balance, and you know the, okay, you can give up, you can take a back seat in the whiskey, you can it's take a back just, seat in the. It's not just the know. distractions though; it's also like if you're if you're injured and you're going into a really difficult fight, you need to you need to delay the fight or pull out. Yeah. Like it's a, okay, the fans, and you never pull out, and you said all these things, but. 
it just makes sense to delay that fight really you know what i mean it's mm-hmm. it's too like confident in yourself nearly yeah like that that was a good thing about him i think when he was younger like the chad mendes fight i think it was the right option to take it when he was injured uh you i know, don't know like that was that camp like that that was pretty like grueling like yeah but uh, maybe not the right option but i think the right risk maybe you know at the, that stage when you're still making your name you're first because it worked out but uh, like if yeah with with that those injuries going in like uh, the chances of winning that fight are like compared to if he's fully fit are are, are different so if you're looking at it like that, I know it's a, it's a it's a belief in yourself, and it's a um, I'm, uh, I'm unstoppable and all that stuff, and mm-hmm. you need that to be uh, to be like a Conor McGregor, like or, yeah. and very few people have that. And Dana talks about him eating pressure and all that stuff. It's it's rare, like, but uh, like like I, I don't think it's like you know people say oh he's finished he's finished. Like if 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 he does put his mind to it, like like he can, as you said, he's a bit of a like a. Um, addictive personality or like when he sets his mind to something he's relentless with it mm-hmm. so if he does set his mind to something like well, I wouldn't be that surprised if he came back did the best camp of his life and goes in there and looks spectacular again and, like that wouldn't surprise me mm-hmm. yeah and look I, I, well it probably would surprise me a little bit at this stage but I hope it happens you know I want to, uh, you know whether he wins or loses I want to see great fighters everyone knows I love great fighters I love Demetrius Johnson I love watching John Jones or Stipe at the weekend and Conor McGregor against Eddie Alvarez that was maybe the greatest fighter we've ever seen in the UFC up there in your top five I don't think anyone would deny that even if you hate him and I like I want to see that back um but let's get to a couple more things from the interview itself. And I suppose Ariel has come in for a bit of criticism afterwards. Um, and I from his old his old pal Luke Thomas, yeah, isn't like, trying to make a land look like an attack. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Look, I, I like Luke, and I understand what Luke is is doing. Like Luke is a bit of a gimmick at this stage. I think you know he's you know he's he's working with Brendan Schaub now and uh, working for Brendan Schaub's YouTube page and stuff like that and you know when you go to that and Lucas admitted that himself you know that he's more of a a pundit and a you know a, an entertainer uh, than than a journalist he's say, literally said himself he's not a journalist so that's the sort of thing he's going to do you know it was funny on, on Twitter he, he gave the criticisms uh, he said the interview there's not much to this interview but I'll do a video on it in the morning it's like if there's not much to the interview, why are you doing a video on it? Like, you know, so... And other people have criticised Ariel as well. Now, I think Ariel... Like, a lot of people maybe haven't watched the interview and stuff, especially in Ireland. Uh, there's certain things that Ariel can't ask Conor McGregor sitting... You know, when Conor McGregor's sitting there in, in Dublin, in the Republic of Ireland, uh, there's just certain things he can't ask him. But most of the things uh, that he needed to ask him, I think he did ask him. You know, he asked him... We talked last week about Conor McGregor going down the, the Mike Tyson road, you know, having it all and losing it all. And Ariel asked asked him that, and he pushed him on that, and he got the answers from McGregor. I'm not, I to me that was the best question on it, and like that was really the only question that needed to be asked right at this point. Okay, there was, you know, the McGregor went in there to do his PR of, you know, I punched this lad and I shouldn't have punched him. Sorry, I came out and apologized. You know, great. That's the the PR that he went in there needed to do. And, Ar- you know, Ariel understands his role. He understands that McGregor wanted to do that PR. But he also got in th- that question, I think. <laughs> and that was a... If, if you'd only... If you'd have, you know, a two-minute interview with Conor McGregor, that's the question I think right now you'd ask him. And I think he answered it... He answered it in, in like, an uncertain type of way. In that, you know, he, he I think his quote was, I have the world at my feet. <laughs> you know, I can either stomp on it or use it to rise me up. And I think he realises that there he's at that path. You know, Chelsea Allen had that great quote a while ago. You know, a lot of people said the only option is, is to succeed. And he goes, you, that's incorrect. You have two options at all times. You can go down one road, you can go down the other. One road will take you to succeed. And one road you will fail. And you can take whichever road you want. And, you know, McGregor admitted basically that he's at that point. And I think Ariel did, I did a great job of asking him, uh, you know, that. And, I, like, to me, if Ariel, you know, went in and gave nothing but softballs for the whole thing, I'd understand it. Uh, and I'd come in on here and criticise him. But I honestly don't think he did. And I think the, a lot of, you know, the people criticising him would criticise him no matter what he asked. <laughs> I honestly think that. So, you know, you could say I'm friends with Ariel or whatever, and I am. So, fair enough, I might be a little bit biased or, or a lot biased, but whatever. But I, I don't think so. What do, you, what do you think, Graham? Do you think uh, he gave him softballs or was it good? Well, um... It was no, it was about as I expected. Uh, as you said, there's certain things you can't talk about, and and um, he asked him extensively about 
about uh, the the incident with the with the in the pub with the whiskey, and he asked yeah. about the the phone incident as well. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, and he said, as you, I don't know, like obviously it wasn't the the most like skating interview you've ever seen, but it it was never going to be that. Like, I know what Luke Thomas is saying. Oh well, if you if you ask the skating questions all the time. You won't get, or you, you're running this risk of probably not getting the the interviews again, um, with with certain fighters or with that stable that management, uh, that, that fighter that the fighters are under. Uh, but it's easy to say that when you're sitting in a room with a camera on you, like Luke Thomas said himself, oh, I made the same mistakes in the past, and it's easy it's easy to like apologize and say, oh, like I won't do that again. I'm, but you're not a journalist anymore, so. You, in your own opinion so you don't really it's easy to throw stones at, at ariel like and i i don't know why i don't know why luke luke did that but i suppose it is just he knew it would create attention we're talking about it now people are talking about it so he's he's done well but like ariel you know like what do you want him to say like you know what do you want him to ask really yeah it is true um I suppose a couple more things from the interview before we move on. Uh, you know, uh, we mentioned obviously the incident, the the uh, the punch thing, and he, you know, he came out and he said he he was at fault for that, and you know he'll he'll take whatever punishment comes at him, and I don't know what that will be, whether it's a fine or you know community service, or I doubt he'll get any time in jail or anything from it. I I don't, I don't know, I could be wrong, but uh, we we'll see on that one. Um, okay, and we've talked about maybe the criticism stuff. Let, let's talk about maybe the future uh, and his training and Habib and stuff. Um, first of all, John Kavanagh, uh, I was maybe not surprised, but I was surprised that he came out and said it so, so strongly about John Kavanagh. He said he, he felt direct quote slighted, uh, by John Kavanagh after the last fight said that when he heard that John Kavanagh hadn't watched back the fight and he said he'd watched it back 888 times himself, that he, he felt a bit taken aback by it. Uh, but that he is, you know, he wants to... Uh, patch up the relationship not exact words but he's certain you know he wants to patch up the, the relationship and he always wants to have John Kavanagh by his side um which I'm a little bit surprised by I didn't think he'd come out and and you know maybe as strongly as that and say that about John Kavanagh um but you know it might be a, it might be a bad thing maybe they, they need to kind of reset and get back together or you know I know McGregor has always kind of trained in other places anyway. You know, he's been over in Eddie Bravo's gym and in loads of... Every time he's been in America, we've seen him in different gyms training and stuff, and he's always kind of come back, which I think is yeah. very wise. Every, every MMA loss he's had, he's come back a lot better. And, like, he, okay, um, the boxing belt was in there, but that doesn't that doesn't count as a fight to me. Um, and every fight he's lost, he's come back and looked, looked a lot better and learned a lot of things from it. And he was talking about learning things from it as well and about the camp just about the fight obviously as well but about the camp and about the just about everything around fighting basically and um like it's good to, to hear him say like you know I, i've learned these lessons and uh, or I've, I've seen these things and he's making all the right noises about you know uh coming back a better fighter but time will tell but the history has shown that when he does lose he comes back and he's he's a lot better you know after his last mma loss he went on to, to beat diaz which is a terrible style matchup for him mm-hmm. in a big pressure fight that he had to win at a weight class that he shouldn't be fighting at um uh and then like look at the eddie alvarez fight like one of the most spectacular performances we've ever seen so yeah. i would like people you know be quick to write write people off like you know connor kind of said like it's a what have you done for me lately business you know people kind of even with the max holloway thing that he mentioned people forget about that quickly and move on mm-hmm. um people have very short memories and never made but you I, I wouldn't write off people are writing them off i wouldn't be, wouldn't be writing off connor mcgregor mm. what did you think of what he said about the preparation for the habib fight because like to me it's either one of two things it's either uh he had shit preparation that it was terrible he half prepared he wasn't fully committed or that he trained to you know how he could train and is just making excuses afterwards which and i don't know the answer do you do you like know the answer? Kinda, he, he kind of said that he kind of he trained kind of i don't know what exact word were but kind of trained angry or too intense when he was training and then when he wasn't training he wasn't living like uh maybe as as a fighter should in a, such an important camp or in previous camps that he's done i think that's kind of what he was saying mm-hmm in the interview what do you think uh, he said the interview um uh, injury as well he went in with a big broken foot into it and you know obviously the rumors were around a lot and you know i think everyone knows it's true that he hurt his uh his foot a, a while out from that so you know the, and i suppose moving moving to the what's going to be next for him then 
Well, you can kind of see in the fight that like his movement isn't the same as as when he's at his best. You know, if you look at the movement in the Eddie Alvarez fight, you look at the movement in the Beep fight. I notice it's not it's it's a lot of factors. You know, it's not mm-hmm. just oh I had this certain injury. It's a he kind of talked about it. it was a lot of things that a lot of lessons to be learned from from that period. Yeah, um, yeah. Look, I I I just think he he had a bad game plan in that fight. To be honest, and I think that maybe the preparation, um, you know, might be uh where where the big the problem is, and you know, I he. In in the the four was it the four the third round wasn't it where he got on the feet for the full round you know you'd expect him you know people talk about McGregor's cardio issues and stuff and okay he's shown him in a few different fights now but remember he went to the third round with Max Holloway and he still looked good with on one leg at the end of that round like you know he got into a full standing third round with Habib and okay there was Habib had taken him down for the first two rounds and stuff like that but it, it wasn't See, in the Diaz in the Diaz first yeah. fight he was in the first round and the start of second round trying to take Diaz's head off at one punch yeah you know what I mean and that exerts a lot of energy well he wasn't fighting efficiently he talked about that himself like you're not mm-hmm. fighting efficiently and ahead of the second Diaz fight him he's gonna fight more efficiently and yeah, that's, not why waste I, that's why I think the Habib third fight was the most worrying and might actually you know put some truth into the, what he said about uh having a poor preparation because like okay Habib destroyed him for the first two rounds but it wasn't exactly you know it wasn't okay at the end of the second round it was from maybe you know a couple of minutes he defended he defended he defended well better enough, than yeah. most have done against Habib mm-hmm. And he just, he was just looked like his punches were completely gone. You know, he'd no power in the third round at all. You know, he hit, he'd have been over and over and, uh, you know, to, to, to not enough power seemed to land. So that's why I think as well, you know, if McGregor is coming back, I think this, you know, he mentioned the end of the I year. I think a lot of your power does come from your feet though as well. So maybe that's, yeah, a, yeah, that's a factor as well. Yeah, that is a factor. But I, I think the end of the year would be foolhardy of him to be honest i think he came back too soon for that habib fight um you know i remember talking about maybe october november or uh, november december and but he came I back in october good, it's good to, for him to have in his mind like i'm aiming towards this so there's something in sight to, to prepare for you yeah, know but I mean? maybe february would be better than december or something like that you know I, I think that extra two months to do him a lot of good especially you know with cardio issues in the past to get any of those issues out you know, to get back into fight. Don't be, don't yeah. be talking. Don't be talking February. I'm going over to get married in Brazil oh, yeah. in February. <laughs> so, <fuck>. March, <laughs> March, weddings. March, March, March. Uh, so yeah, like I think it'd be better. But then I suppose the the final thing. Um, I, I have an idea, Graham, about who he should fight next. Like I think if you're Conor McGregor and what what you mentioned there is a hundred percent correct about the the whole Chadman is the whole Habib thing going in injured. Should you do that? You. You know, and for your career and for your where you're going next, should you do that? Is that the smart thing? And I think the smart thing right now would be to have a bit of a warm up fight, you know, a tune up fight. You'd gone in there against Habib Nurmagomedov, gone in there against Tony Ferguson would be foolhardy. I think it would be stupid right now. I think it would I don't be know, the Tony matchup. Like, I, I no, like that no, no, no. In right now, it wouldn't be. You right now, okay, you now, need to get well, like, back into maybe fighting. like you know, start of the year. What about you know next summer? Give it one fight. I think he needs one fight. And I know the perfect person. I know the perfect person is Anthony Pettis. I think that's the fight to make. I think it's the perfect fight, perfect matchup. I think McGregor at fifty percent beats Anthony Pettis or Cerrone. I, no, no, I, th- I think Pettis because Cerrone on his day can be really good, and you know he can take him down. He's good wrestling. I think Cerrone is a well. bigger, bigger name though. Like I know Pettis has been a champion and stuff, and is a better fighter and beating Cerrone and all. But I think to no, I think casual, Pettis. I, I think, think the, the Tony the, or the, the sorry the Cerrone fight is more exciting to. Yeah, but I, I always want the That's not what fight, he needs. You know? That's not what he needs right now. I think what he needs right now is a winnable fight against the name. And that, that Anthony Pettis is the. I've been thinking. I looked through the rankings. I looked di- at different fights and stuff like that. And I think Pettis is the man. Okay, he lost to Diaz, but McGregor's coming off a loss too. You can easily turn that around. You know, the ball coming off of a loss. I think that's the fight to make. I really do. And, you know, go in there in a co-main event even. You know, he talks a lot about... Conor McGregor needs to spin this in that I'm coming back and I'm making... You know, I'm... I'm I'm making a run at this title. I'm building my way up to that title. I don't I don't want main events. I don't care. It's not about money for me anymore. It's about pride. It's about getting back in there winning. And I think that'll be the perfect fight. You know, they're both coming off a loss. Uh, you know, Pettis lost to Diaz. McGregor lost to Habib. A very winnable fight. A good fight to get you back into fight shape. You know, a three-round fight. Get back in there and then fight a big five-round main event in, next summer. I think it makes sense. Am I wrong, Graham? Am I? I'm definitely right. Yeah, well, like, it definitely doesn't not make sense. But I think in a lot of ways. But I think for the UFC and for for Conor, like, maybe they'd be thinking... Um, 
Connor talks about, oh, I'll never retire or whatever this time, but you know, it comes to an end for everybody, and the the huge numbers that can be done won't last forever as well in terms of pay-per-views and, and sales and tickets and all that stuff. So um, probably, like Connor mentioned something, I, I don't know, what did he say about the co-main event? They want, UFC wanted to put him in a co-main event. That makes no sense from the UFC's perspective to me, but... I think it'll make a bit of sense from his perspective, though, so he doesn't have to yeah, fight five rounds. Yeah, but UFC's perspective is strange. Like, who would be the main event? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I think you can do it. Like, you know, it, it, like as we saw the last day when Nate Diaz got into the comment. Does it kind of say, though, like, you know, oh, this guy is over the hill, this guy to the casuals, or oh, this guy isn't main event? Yeah, but that's why anymore. I say you have... No, that's why I say you have to... Uh, market it in such a way that this is the fight to bring him back to the championship level. So, like, you know, say, you know, Anthony Pettis. Yeah, but, you know, for example, like Manny Pacquiao loses the title, for example, or whatever, or Floyd mm-hmm. Mayweather didn't, never lost, but Manny Pacquiao, say, uh, they don't put him on a co-main event. It's true, yeah. I suppose, yeah. It, is it makes true. him seem devalued, I think, to casuals. Like, yeah. for who, the, for maybe the people who watch the HBO 24-7 or whatever, and they say, oh, this is my... I wanted this. This is my road to redemption. Build mm-hmm. back up or whatever. But most people don't see that. You know, most people just think, "Oh, what, why the fuck is he not?" Yeah. Must be, must be finished but or I, must be. I, I agree. I agree. But I'm looking at this, and I think Conor McGregor should be looking at this from a sporting point of view rather than from a money. From a, you know, he he has enough money. He doesn't need to fight anymore. You know, and he's going to make money no matter what happens. But I think he should be looking at it from a sporting point of view because he hasn't done that before. You know. And oh, well, he has done that before, obviously, but he hasn't had it at the foremost of his mind before. And I think that's where he needs to be right now to have the sport at the foremost of his mind if he wants to get back to the very top. Because if he just wants to go in there and get a big money fight, no problem, but he's going to lose. I really think that. I, I really, really think that. So, look, I suppose time will tell. Maybe he won't lose. Maybe he'll go in and he'll knock out Habib, but I'd find that very unrealistic. I think a more realistic path to get back to be someone like uh, Ferguson, like a Habib and stuff like that, is to have a fight, a tuna fight, an Anthony Pettis fight. I really think that's the fight. But, but like, if you had to pick somebody like who could or has the most chance if they do things right to beat Habib, who would it be? Uh, to beat Habib? Uh, at lightweight, or can I go up to... <laughs> at lightweight, if they, like, if they could put everything together, you know, if, like... If everything uh, I don't know. Strong. I think it is McGregor. It probably is, but McGregor when he beat Eddie Alvarez, I'm not sure if he's that guy anymore. I'm not sure if he can be. Yeah, maybe, maybe not, but maybe so. Maybe he can get back there. You know, time will tell, or maybe time won't tell. Maybe it'll never happen, but I, I think it will happen because it's just so much money to be made and such a big storyline already built up, and uh, it just, it just makes so much sense to make it again. So, um. I think when you, when you you have a champion like Habib who you know you look at the other matchups and such a stacked division that you think uh, Habib's going to probably beat that guy pretty handily or Connor Connor is a guy that like you know is a wild card maybe maybe he is maybe people are right maybe he'll never be the same but mm-hmm. I wouldn't I wouldn't like I wouldn't rule it out yet I I I would want to see it with my own eyes <laughs> some fucking McGregor shit aren't you fuck but you know what sake. I mean like it's like writing off like you know <laughs> yeah, somebody know. after a loss like it's it's so <clears throat> knee jerk like you know yeah but I think there's been long enough now of him fucking up and not you know not fighting and stuff to, to have like that as fight, a genuine two, opinion two fights ago he was putting in the best performance in, yeah but how long ago was that that, that was three years ago like or two and a yeah, half exactly. years ago. I know, I know and we always talk about how the game changes quickly mm-hmm. and all that stuff but you know uh, <laughs> comebacks and big performances he's definitely capable of them like you know he's he's relaxed in there he's he's comfortable in there he, if he gets if he if, if Connor goes in there and stuffs a couple of takedowns early or Habib makes a mistake and eats, eats a big punch you know it could be over very quickly in a rematch so mm-hmm. the, he like Connor will believe like that he can do this like you know he's like mm-hmm. a lot of people I think go in against Habib and they don't really believe yeah, I, I look. I think the the best thing for Conor McGregor here is that it's all down to him. He like he he always said it. You know, it, it, he could use his secret or whatever he wants to use. That it's all down to him. If if he wants to do it, he can go out there and he can do it. And if he doesn't want to do it, it won't happen. So you know, there there you go. Yeah. I suppose he's got a strong mindset and he sets his mind to something. Like you know, uh, he likes to prove people wrong and prove people who support him right. So you know, uh, time will tell. And I think uh, a lot of people seem to you know don't appreciate the the 
the the, the magic of, of what's gone on the last few years. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's easy to forget, as he said, it's, the game moves on so quickly. People have short memories, but it's easy to forget how how like you know into how excited yeah. people were, and and how even... how many people he got into the sport, and how and how like you know before the Habib fight, they did two point six million people were like, ah, nobody really cares about McGregor anymore. There's no hype around this fight. Where's the hype? Where's the press? All this stuff, and then it was two point six million. You know, so he 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 knows how to he knows how to get people to tune in, mm-hmm. and I think get people, people interested, get people thinking he can do it. Yeah, there's a, there's a thing as well. I, I saw someone tweeting the other day uh, about McGregor and goes, oh, he's one of the most legendary careers of all time for people he almost fought. And I'm thinking like, okay, yeah, there's there's a lot of people he's called out, like Gaethje and Ferguson and all like that, who hasn't fought. But look at the people he has fought. Like in the, uh, I'll have to pull up the record, but in the space of 11 months, he fought, I think it was um, Aldo, uh, Diaz twice and Eddie Alvarez in the space of 11 months. Like, to, to make like a you know a joke about oh this guy's never fought anyone when he's fought that in the space of 11 yeah. months that's insanity like so you know people writing yeah. oh, off he's, he's beaten nobody he's beaten nobody and all it's always the same with all yeah. fighters like you know max holloway is just some nobody in everybody's mind until he's the one of the best featherweights if not the best featherweight of all time mm-hmm. you know people just say these things i was a bit like that in fairness but, but to, to criti- <laughs> like to criticize conor mcgregor and to say where he has gone you you know you have to appreciate how good he was too because if, if you think conor mcgregor was shit all along then you go oh well sure he's not winning now sure it's the same thing what well, well you've nothing to criticize then so like i i think it, to me it's a shame where he has gotten now because of how good he was like if he was just another average fighter i you know i'd say okay he's you know he's fucking up his life and stuff getting in trouble but it, i wouldn't say like it's a crying shame or he's like well for mcgregor it is a kind of a crying shame and i hope he gets back and you know I, it's not just because it's conor mcgregor if it's any great fighter i'd hope to get back but anyway we spent like eight hours talking about conor mcgregor let's move on um and we have another few things to talk about uh, as well james haskell the former england rugby player has signed for uh, yeah. for bellator graham what are, what i just i saw this i don't know like i didn't does he have any kind of background in any kind of martial arts or? i think he's been training for a good while he did that uh, ufc show on bt sports like 5 years ago where he uh, <coughs> though yeah, yeah but i i think he was training a little bit since then but i saw him does he have like you know did he did he do some kind of boxing or, or striking when he was a kid you don't know anything i don't know man maybe we, you know, he's doing a press conference i think next week so maybe when uh, when they do that he'll get a few answers or maybe we can get him on for an interview or something like that. But he has the the rugby background. He's a he's a uh, you know a top athlete, England international. I think he's like eighty caps or something for England. Uh, how many times? Like yeah, I don't know. Like is he gonna have a chin like rugby? <laughs> these guys. Yeah. These guys taking constant mini concussions or whatever. Yeah. Look to me, the thing about this is it's it's exciting. You know, it's a, t- a top 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 athlete getting into MMA. This is, I don't know, it's not really, I don't know, maybe like I'm just it. jaded about this kind of thing, but I yeah. don't know, it doesn't, maybe I'll be more excited when it happens, or, but I don't know, I, I just think he's going to fight a bunch of bums, and yeah. it's going to be not great to watch, it's going to be like Dave Batista or something, you know? From, I don't think it'll be that bad, because he's a real athlete, like, I think people forget, but Dave you know, Batista was a real wrestler though, was he, before, yeah, or amateur wrestler? No, maybe he? not, I, I don't, don't know. know, but he was, he, a, probably, most of these guys in WWE, yeah. I always nearly see WWF say WWF even though it was like 20, year, 20 years ago. Yeah. The thing about Batista though was he was wrestling for like 15 years or whatever before he had an MMA fight. So it's, you know, even if he was competing, that any competition was kind of gone out of him. And look, CM Punk, people comparing James Haskell to CM Punk is just the biggest idiotic thing ever. Like he's a real yeah, athlete. CM Punk's like a, won the world title several times. Like, come yeah. on. it's true it's true true. but like to me okay this Haskelling might go badly or whatever the the reason Bellator are doing it pretty simple you know they're taking the UK and Ireland very seriously Uh, they want to promote here they want to be a promotion here he's obviously a famous guy Uh, a lot of the rugby crowd will come out and support him you know rugby people are notorious for coming out and supporting people they'll they'll, he'll pack stadiums by himself like how famous is he? Very is he, famous, is he yeah. Like a star? I know, I know. I've heard his name. You hear him, but he's like he's not one of these guys you, you hear talking in the media or or like you know what I mean. Uh, certain... He is no, he's a very media friendly sort of guy. Yeah, he's like he has been. Um, he has been. Um, you know, he's been a top top player for years and years and years and years. Like he's okay. He's not Johnny Wilkinson or something like that, or like a Brian O'Driscoll or Ron Nogara here or anything. But you know, he's uh, been a top player. Everyone, if you're a rugby fan, you know him. Like, and if yeah. you know, if he's if, if 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 he's anywhere near like Drico, Brian O'Driscoll, 
Um, like if I could imagine if Bernard Driscoll was going to them, maybe oh, people would be, be very yeah. interested. But it'd be more yeah. like maybe I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's like Jerry uh, Flannery. Maybe yeah. <laughs> Jerry, he was talking he about, was about it. He yeah. Talking, he yeah. Was, yeah, he was. Yeah, like imagine if Jerry Flannery did have a fight here. Like the yeah. rugby people, people, people weren't be... that excited though when he kind of hinted yeah, but at it. But rugby like... people, I think, would be like if Jerry Flannery had a fight in Limerick. Do you think he wouldn't fill out like a, a big fucking? Like, there is uh, no big arena in Limerick. Like, would go to, would go to <laughs> the local hall to fill that out for anything. <laughs> yeah, but let's fill out that hall. <laughs> let's say I don't know who's a. I don't know. I can't. Uh, Sean O'Brien. Uh, well, he's not from Dublin, but let's say he's from Ninster anyway. Let's say he had an MMA fight. Like I'm sure a lot of people will go to see that. A lot of rugby fans will go to see that. And it's Keen Healy. Keen Healy. Healy. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, yeah. And he's you know he's been around. like and it's the thing about it as well. Okay, we get past the and that's why Bellator are doing it. But I saw Alan Fieldback coming out and saying, and go, you know, this guy is you know taking a spot from from people uh, and stuff. It's like that. That no. you need to stop that Bellator shit. Bellator has like, like twenty nine hundred fights in yeah. each card that comes yeah. Ireland, uh, the UK. He's, he's James Castle is Benny not taking a spot from anyone. If he's anything, bringing eyes. he's bringing eyes. Like yeah. Aaron Chalmers thing all over again. Mm-hmm. It's like oh my god. Yeah, and Aaron Chalmers had trained as well, so he wasn't as bad as CM Punk and stuff. Uh, but and it's the same argument people are making. Yeah, like he's taking the spot. He's not taking anybody's spot. Taking he's, a- he's getting. He's, he's getting in helping getting what is it called channel 5 or 5 plus or 5 star or whatever it's called he's helped getting those de- TV deals and mm-hmm. you know bringing eyes to people like Fabian Edwards even though they only showed like, like what like 30 seconds of his fight or something yeah and especially when you're a heavyweight as well because there's so few heavyweights and you know when people like Alan Fitbot to Bantamweight he's definitely not taking your spot anyway but yeah, there's just so few heavyweights around you know he's not taking an undercard spot from anyone. Like let's let's be realistic about this. And like I we've criticised Bellator over and over and over in the past, so we're not any Bellator shills or any. But to me, this is a high level athlete coming in. He's going to sell tickets. He's going to bring what, new what fans. Age is he? What age is he? Uh, he's like thirty five or something like that. He's in his late thirties. But at heavyweight MMA, you know when you're such a great athlete, I think it's the easiest place to come in at, at that stage. Like we we'll, we'll and there see. isn't really any good heavyweights I can think of. Like. <laughs> they should give him that lad that, uh, that Jack Tiger beat the shit out of do you know him whatever his name was you know the, the dude that looked like he fucking oh, yeah. you know works in McDonald's out the back or something do you know what they, they should give to him oh yeah I can't remember his name <laughs> whatever yeah, yeah. but anyway uh, right speaking of heavyweights uh, Daniel Cormier weighed in at £247 on the Saturday night of his fight after he weighed £236.5 the previous day uh, so he went up almost 11 pounds, 10 and a half pounds. Um, Ariel said <laughs> uh, to me over on Twitter that uh, the the day of the fight weigh-in, he went in with like his keys in his pocket and his pants and fully clothed and everything. Um, but still... Still, it's a lot. Like, yeah, yeah. To go up 11 pounds, let's say you add on, you know, two and a half pounds for that. So, you know, from 10 and a half, eight pounds. To put on eight pounds... In one day, and you know, okay, Artem came out and said as well uh, that he maybe got on the scale, he hadn't drank, or you know, he wasn't, he wasn't eating or anything. I don't know. It. <laughs> Why would he be cutting weight to to? I don't know. When you don't need to cut weight. Yeah, like. Why would you be not drinking when you don't yeah, need to not drink? Chael Sonnen had said he was in the sauna, and I say Chael Sonnen because it's you know it's Chael Sonnen, so it's mm. bullshit. But if there's any truth to that, I think that's foolhardy. I know. If he had won, we'd be saying nothing. But the fact that he kind of he gassed think he out went a little trying bit, to, trying to not weigh in too heavy, to like I don't know, it's so strange. It is a very strange one, and I don't know. I've there's I maybe don't he's insecure about his weight, and he didn't want to weigh in at that weight or something. I don't know. It's strange. May, strange. Or maybe he's talking about going back to two or five and wanted to be a little bit less, you know, getting in there. Or maybe he just I I saw um I think it was Martin Sheridan the the I UK MMA fighter. Tail. Maybe he was leaning on the tail maybe, again. <laughs> he was <leaning> on the <laughs> but uh, he sent he he went in he went up a weight to to fight, um, and he went in without a weight cut, and he was saying like that he didn't feel right so the next fight he had he had a little bit of a weight cut to make him feel right maybe he did that maybe he had a little bit of a weight cut just to make him feel right but you know it's pro- there's pro- it's probably a thing of nothing really 8 pounds in the greater scheme of things um, when you know when people are cutting like 25 pounds and you know the, the bigger issue is here is probably Paulo Costa who cut a shitload of weight uh, but to me it's you know it's definitely a talking point when what happened to Daniel Carmia happened. So, you know, it's an interesting thing to look at in futures. And I look, the bigger point here, and we talked about it last week as well, is that the California State Letter Commission seem to be doing good things, you know, putting out these weights so we can talk about them. So the discussion on weight cutting can get going again and so that we can all realise that it's the most stupid fucking thing in the world and needs to needs to go. Like, And I think this is kind of, this is illuminated a little bit that, you know, this, this I don't know, weight cutting is just stupid. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Um... 
Okay, a couple more things before we move on, and uh, I'll bring I'll bring a bit of um, a Bellator recap if you're waiting for that uh, later on tonight. So we'll we're recording this before Bellator. I'll cut it off, and I'll last five ten minutes. I'll t- tell you what happened in Bellator. Uh, but we've another couple of things to talk about before that. Um, ten million Graham on YouTube. We hit ten million on YouTube today. Well, what are your thoughts on that? Like, what, what what do you want to say to people? Do you want to give them a bit of a shout out and tell them thank you very much and for the continued support and all over the years? Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, uh, no, uh, yeah, it's cool. I, I didn't, I didn't know until you. I saw you tweeted it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't really thought about it, but uh, yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. You know me. Yeah, it's Probably pretty. Fair. It's good, though. In fairness, <laughs> it's it's like uh, it is kind of cool, though. Yeah, yeah if you had it said it to me when I was starting out this Irish MMA website, that I'd still be doing it <laughs> all these years <laughs> later, <laughs> eight years later. And, or however many years later and have that many I'd probably be pretty happy so yeah it's cool and thanks for everybody who, who watched our videos over the years and uh, feel free to watch them again <laughs> yeah and obviously uh, big shout out to Andrew McGann he got most of them and stuff and you know Pizzi and Nile and uh, the lads from the UK as well got uh, obviously uh, you know but mostly me but no I <laughs> you it was on me. You weren't no. even there for half the time. No, it was all you. I, I did like five videos last month and it looks great for me now because I'm at the top of the video. And obviously Nick Baldwin and stuff over there as well. They got a good few videos. But, um, yeah. no, thanks. Danny Figueroa did a few as well. Did he? Oh, yeah, fair play to him. So thanks to everyone though for, uh, for uh, tuning in and, and supporting us over, over the last while. And, um, you know, uh, Dave Fogarty actually filmed uh, some of them with Andrew for for a couple of years as well. Padre Forn, Dave, Yogurty Dave Fogarty, Yogurty Dave, the best nickname in in MMA history. But I think like looking back at a few of the videos this week after kind of that happened, obviously there's you know the big McGregor ones and stuff, which probably take up about eight million of the of the ten million. But I thought the 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 rest of them, you know, there's a lot of a lot of stuff there from fighters, you know, that are maybe in in Bellator now. Or you know that are, were amateurs when uh, Severe May interviewed him at the start, and you know I'm I'm yeah. sure that Irish guys, UK guys, mm-hmm. like nobody ever heard of when we interviewed them. Well, most people hadn't heard of like you know Steve and Sean out of the UK, like people like Fabian Edwards, like they kind of gave him a bit of airtime like earlier than than other people, and it's kind of cool to look back, like even like you know Paddy Pimblett, mm-hmm. uh, he's kind of like you know he's kind of disappeared a bit out of the public consciousness for the moment but you know uh you could you, you kind of like big interviews with him like doing not big numbers compared to mcgregor obviously but for for you know fighting on fcc or whatever mm-hmm. he was doing big numbers getting attention you know these interviews were going on other websites reddit all that kind of stuff so uh, it's it's cool to like you know to look back on them and kind of you can you can nearly kind of follow the follow the journey a little bit from from the beginning as you said before even when mm. some of them were amateurs yeah yeah definitely yeah and uh, you know even i've interviewed like james gallagher for example yeah. like you know there's some like fights and uh, mixed in with interviews and uh, fight highlights and stuff mm-hmm. it's 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 cool to see how these guys develop in terms of fighting and in terms of personality and media savvy and all that stuff yeah and uh, like I, de- I definitely think there's a good base to have it there as well like you know, even Kiefer Crosby, I interviewed him a few weeks ago. I remember li- listening to a couple of in- his interviews before that. And, you know, things like he said he wanted to be in the UFC and it wasn't for Bellator for him. And, you know, I asked him about that. And I think it's good to have things like that. And, you know, even, you know, to for the future. You know, someone could become a world champion from, you know, over in England or over or here in Ireland, you know. And to have an interview of them as an amateur fighter, as their first fighter or something like that. I think it's great, and not just you know. I don't. It's not that we have it, but I think that, that someone is actually doing it, and, and they're you know like yourself and Andrew going out and doing it, or whoever's doing it now as well. I think it's a it's a good baseline to have and stuff like that. But um, another thing, maybe on media, and maybe from uh, more negative side of it, uh, <laughs> and I, it's hard to say this, but you know, this week we had someone. It's more of a story of. Uh, Irish MMA media and you know MMA media in general and the shit that we kind of have to put up because you know we don't talk about it that often we probably could talk about it way more often but we someone reached out to us this week right and asked us not not a not a promotion or anything like that someone putting on an event right so they want this person came out to us and they asked us to go to their event right to do a live podcast at their event to promote them on our podcast on the weeks coming up to the event right to uh to put social media Travel. posts 
on our event to travel to the event to get a hotel to st- to to stay there uh, after the event. We bought off the travel. It's not in Limerick or it's not in Dublin. So we bought off the travel to this event, right? So they asked us to do all that, right? And then we goes, all right, that, you know, sounds good. We'd love to do that event. I'd love to do a live podcast. I think it'd be absolutely fantastic. So we asked them, all right, how much uh, how much are you going to pay for uh, pay us to to do it? And he goes, oh no no no, it it'd be free. We we don't have money at this time to pay it. And uh, I was like, they, they told me beforehand as well that they're going to selling 1,600 tickets for this event. So they're going to sell 1,600 tickets. And they want to not pay us anything to go on in front of a live crowd to a live podcast. Now, I've done, if anyone knows, and Graham's done it as well, you know, podcasts, radio interviews and stuff. And I've never got paid for anything. I mean, you know, maybe one radio interview, like 50 quid or something like that. But I've literally done hundreds of podcasts and radio interviews and stuff. I never got paid from and never would ask from, you know, do, do it as friends. But when someone's asking you to travel to, <laughs> to, to fucking stay in a hotel, they do a, in front of a live paying crowd and then not wanting to pay you or like kind of balk they almost got offended when I asked them how much it cost like I didn't even say like oh give us five grand or something for like most you know if imagine if someone else was doing a live podcast like that that's what they would be charging we wouldn't be charging anywhere near that like but like they that's that's really illumination of the shit we have to deal with <laughs> the odd time Graham isn't it and that's why we're kind of so thankful to the people who sign up on Patreon that help us kind of get past that shit so that like we don't have to put up with that shit anymore and you know the listeners of this podcast can save us from that shit and you know help us <laughs> you know to to to, to do this full time or to keep not even yeah. do it full time to just keep us afloat and pay for the fucking cost of this fucking SoundCloud for a month and stuff like that it's it's a bit yeah well like you know for like you know fair play to them for asking I suppose you don't ask you don't get but like it's it's i think it goes back to even when when the explosion happened in irish ma around mcgregor and all the other irish guys getting into the ufc and all that stuff that a lot of a lot of the the really good journalists like uh, pt or whatever for example you know they were kind of waiting and waiting and you know kind of waiting to be offered something their worth or mm-hmm. close to their worth or not just to do it for free or next to nothing and and the, the papers or the media outlets or whoever were were just like oh we'll get somebody they offered somebody else to do for free and then it just kind of devalues the whole thing and then the person who's in for free probably doesn't have the same knowledge and contacts and all that stuff as for example a pt so then the content isn't that good and it's not you know there's no real traction on these articles and uh, it's just as easy for these outlets to get, like, for example, a football or a, or a tennis or a boxing writer to just write about this and not have to pay any extra mm-hmm. or just get this free guy to do it. So it kind of devalued the whole thing. And, and people like PT are doing well now, uh, but it took a long time, you know. It took, even though, like, I'm okay, I'm biased, like, uh, but like PT was, a, was like, it wasn't like me and PT started this thing together. Like, I like saw PT stuff and tried to get him on board. Like, I tried to get you on board, mm-hmm. got other people on board, you know. I, I got him on board for a reason mm-hmm. because he's very good. Like, and, and maybe I'm like, you know, I think I've been proven right with, with, with PT and with Definitely, other people yeah. as well. But um, I think the whole kind of MMA media thing was dev- devalued there, but around that time when, when, or see, for example, like this f- thing we're talking about here, this thing they wanted to do a live podcast on. If they wanted another podcast, for example, to Irish podcast to do, to do that, they probably do it. Mm hmm. You know what I mean? So then, why would they pay us? You know, are we really going to sell like an extra loads of tickets? Probably not. Like you know, well, we probably would though. Like we, that's we what would... they're thinking. That's what they're thinking. You know, they're not thinking all oh, these guys are going to bring in like change this event from like a small event to like a huge event. <laughs> yeah, there. but they probably don't know our Patreon numbers. They probably don't know our uh, our iTunes and SoundCloud numbers and stuff like that. Like we would definitely bring in more money than they'd be paying us. Like, <laughs> which is the the weird thing about. I don't think people appreciate. I don't think people appreciate kind of podcasts and stuff and the numbers. That that podcast can actually bring in like I was look go go on and you know on on Monday morning or whatever look at anyone here look at look at your SoundCloud look at the charts you know last week we had two podcasts in the top twenty of the charts like I'm I'm sitting here in my uh, my house doing it like you're sitting in your house doing it. we're we're not in some studio we not we don't have big production I'm fucking produce this and put it up like you know ten minutes after we're finished recording it you know did. And, and we have the support and it's the people listening to this and you know we don't talk about this often because I, I hate talking about it because it's stupid but we have to 
people have to realize this as well i think like and we're doing this maybe for people but who it listen. is it is mm-hmm. like even i didn't think like and you you were saying for like a couple of months before we set up the patreon oh we should try this patreon thing and mm-hmm. i was like that's kind of like online begging and i don't think people be that into it like you know mm-hmm. but then i was surprised at how quickly you know people started signing up uh at the start and um how many people stayed with us and send us questions every week and uh interact with us every week and uh so, uh, like, I'm not surprised that these people doing this event don't think, like, oh, they're going to, it's going to yeah. be a lot of loyal supporters coming. Because, like, uh, but, I like, even even past that, I just think it's, uh, it's bec- uh, these things happen because in the past and historically that MMA, quote, MMA media people will, mm-hmm. Irish MMA people will do so for free or next to free. Yeah, but p- people have to do it for free as well, though, I think, at the start. Like, if you're starting up a podcast, no one's going to pay you to, like, maybe if I start up a podcast because I've been doing it for 10 years, or Pete starts up a podcast, or and, you know, then you get paid for doing it because you've been doing it for 10 years. But I think when you come in and you, you if someone listening to this podcast now is saying, I want to try MMA media, I want to write a few articles. Like, if you come and say, I want to write an article, if you come to me and go, I want to write articles to Severe May, we're not going to pay you, like, <laughs> you know, if you're start up your own website you're not going to get paid for a while okay if you have a journalism degree and you come in and you and i'm you, not gonna I'm like people expect you to kind of like hold their hand and make I every know, little i've no problem holding people's hands and like I, 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 I like i've done that in the past but i've done it so many times to people who just after a week or two just like just don't they're like oh, i'm gonna interview this guy i'm gonna do this and they ask you the questions mm-hmm. you just never see the interview never hear from them again mm-hmm. and then like a ufc or a bellator comes to dublin they're like oh how's it going uh, yeah. i did this article about uh this event oh can i apply for credentials you know mm-hmm. There's a lot of that shit going on where people aren't aren't like really into it. They just want to be credentialed at a UFC and uh, people like it used to be more people get onto you saying, "Oh, I want to write for you," but like I just I just kind of I'm sick of like if somebody shows a bit of promise and a bit of bit of stuff, I'll, I'll help, no problem. But just trying trying to uh, handhold this media is just it's just tiresome because people. People just, you know, it's a, it's a phase. They just they decide mm-hmm. this while they're watching the UFC at three in the morning, drunk or something, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, and then a week later, they're like, oh, I actually have to write. I actually have to do stuff. I actually have to go to events that aren't UFCs in Dublin with McGregor in the main event. Mm-hmm. That's true. Like, and if you look at anyone like successful now, doing a doing a, uh, you know, successful podcast or writing articles or whatever that you know are big and every all of those people have been doing it for years and years and years. And there's a certain few people, you know, that that come in and they've been watching MMA for six months and you see him, oh, look at this guy, he's getting, like, getting big interviews. Almost always, those people kind of fall out and you never see him again. Almost always. <laughs> you know, and, okay, some people will, it, it'll be different, they'll come from a different uh, avenue or somewhere and it'll change for them, but, you know. Or other people, it's just all about them, it's, it's mm-hmm. not about the fighters or the MMA event, it's about them, them, me? them. Is that me or something? <laughs> No, but like when you're doing interviews with, with John Kavanagh, you're not like, oh, I think this, I think yeah. this. You're, you're like, or, oh, look at me, look at me, or, mm-hmm. you know, trying to make jokes. You're just trying to ask questions that you, you'd like answered. Yeah, it is true, I suppose. And look, um, I, I, we that and saying sign up on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast. Like just over a euro a week, and you'll help us out, and we'll be able to keep doing this podcast forever. We won't have to deal with fucking idiots like that. And, you know, <laughs> I think. You know, I, I said it myself there a minute ago. You'll always have to deal with idiots. There's oh, yeah. so many I'll have to deal with you. Not, yeah, that this, not that these people are idiots, but like, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. And like, I think I saw someone post a thing the other day and it goes, um, you know, it takes, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, adjust it for me. It takes an hour a week to do this podcast, but it took 10 years to have the ability to do this podcast <laughs> of preparation. So if you're paying us a euro a week, you're not paying for just for this podcast. You're paying for the 10 years that we've spent, you know, that you spent going to fucking down to, down stop to car. Stop yourself on the back, self-righteous, holy I try, I try to, uh, I try to sell the Patreon here, Graham. You leave me alone. I don't do it often enough. Don't believe a word. It's uh, worse than Dana. Yeah, worse than Dana. Uh, all right, last thing here before I send it over to myself. Um, you want to talk about uh, Mark Casey versus Lando Venata. That's going to be a banger, isn't it? Uh, it's it's going to be a great fight, I think. Uh, obviously, two very exciting strikers, and obviously, they both do wild things, and Lando's uh, uh, historically a uh, very strong first round, goes kind of 
lays it all on the line in the first round and Jacasey's the same like you know he has some spectacular finishes in the first round and I just think it's really I, I really like both fighters styles and I think it's going to be a really really good fight yeah I really like it as well that's I think that's a fight we've probably suggested before in this in this podcast even so fair play to, to Sean Shelby and if the we lads. didn't we should have if we didn't we should have yeah I actually would look at my tweets to see if I tweeted out and I don't think I have unless I spelled there are two hard names to spell so I probably <laughs> I probably spelled one or, or two of them wrong so uh, so I suppose before before we get to um before i hand it over to myself to the belter cars well we must talk about this uh ufc car coming up and you know i suppose we left it to the to the end of the podcast here and uh you know because there really isn't much on it really you know there's okay there's the the title fight between jessica andrage and waley Zhang, and there's i really like the fight between uh i can can never say his name Eluzi zaleski dos santos who's a really good fighter and uh, Li Zhang liang who's a really good fighter as well um you have uh, Keenan Song, who's actually good as well, and exciting fighter against Derek Kranz, who I don't really know. And then you've Kai Kara France, I know, on the undercard versus Mark Tellerosa, that'll be a good fight. Uh, Andres Sukhoff yeah. is exciting as well, but not it's really. It's a stretch much, to kind it? of find things that are decent, like uh, mm-hmm. on paper. Anyway, there might be some exciting fighters here, fights here, but nothing of significance really. Not too much. Obviously, there's a title fight in there, but besides that. Like and I think in the title fight, like Jessica Andrade, I haven't looked at the odds, but like I'd say she's a favorite. But I think it's like it's a dangerous fight, you know. I, I've never been that big of a fan of Andrade. I'm surprised she she got to a title, but like it was I was surprised that she got to got the win in the Rose fight. Obviously, the way it was going as well. But I she probably just be too little bit too aggressive and too good for Zhang here. But it's hard to know with Zhang really. Like she has a very good win in the first round with an armbar over Jessica Aguilar. Mm-hmm. And then she won a decision over Tisha Torres, and Tisha Torres is a very good fighter. Like I don't think she's like too far below Andrade's level in terms of ability. But besides that, on the on the card, it's yeah, it's not great at all. Yeah, I, I, yeah, there's not really no point talking about the any of the undercards. But I, I think the comment event will be really good. But apart from that. Yeah, like to me, it's just a, like there mm-hmm. might be some exciting fights, but there's just yeah, nothing yeah. of significance, you know. Nothing it's, it's, like yeah, it's a card you'll tune in for most people for the top. If you miss fights. this card and like you just saw the main event or mm-hmm. whatever, just caught the highlight finish of the main event, for example, if that was to happen, yeah. you'd probably be, you'd be okay. Enough, like yeah. you, you miss nothing of significance. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- that main event, like to me, I look at this main event and I think I, I kind of agree with you. I like Jessica Andrade. I think she's a really, really good fighter. I didn't think she'd ever become a champion in the UFC, and and she did. She proved me wrong, and you know it was a kind of a weird finish in that fight and all. But take absolutely nothing away from her. Um, but w- could Whaley Zhang be like often in the UFC? And I I don't think I talked about this before, but I probably probably should, and it's probably shouldn't something we should talk about more often. Sometimes we just see a champion and automatically think they're going to retain their belt. No, she might go in here and beat Whaley Zhang. I'm not saying anything, but. Sometimes we, we're too inclined to do that. When someone wins, we think they're the best fighter in the world, when they're the, the champion. And often they're not, really, to be honest. Uh, now, most of the time they are. Some, you know, they are. But there's a there's a good percentage of time where they're, they're not the best fighter in the world. Is Jessica Andrade the best strawweight fighter in the world? Mm, I don't think so, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, and she, But she is the champion. Now, is Li Zhang the best in the world? I don't think so either. But is she better than Jessica Andrade? I suppose that's the question that will be answered on, on Saturday night. I, I think she has. She, she um, could be the champion of the world, you know, and yeah. never, like, you know, never really fought anybody upper echelon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I don't really see Andrade. It's strange to say when somebody's a champion, but I don't really see her as an upper echelon skilled fighter, you know what I mean? Yeah, as there's loads of people banging downstairs. So we, we better um, finish it off. But yeah, look, I, I think Weili Zhang will put. Uh, on a low, uh, you know, a high pace here. I think she will bring it to Jessica Andrade, and you know, it's obviously Andrade's power and her her ability to kind of win the front foot as well, maybe, and push Wei Li Zhang back. Because if she does that, I think she will probably win it. But I, I think it's going to be an interesting fight. I think it'll be a very good fight, whether you think they're, they're the best or, or not, or where, you know, who who do you think will win? Uh, so uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Let, let, let's see how it goes. Uh, all right, Graham, I believe you've something to say, have you? Before I, I throw it over to Sean to talk about Bellator. Well. Well, I won't be here for the inspirational quote, so mm-hmm. I thought I'd give one of my own. Uh, first, first time. Debut yeah. uh, inspirational quote. Yes. So, uh, here we go. <laughs> go on. Stop laughing. It's terrible. This is inspirational, Sean. Yes. It's so easy to laugh, like you are now. It's so easy to laugh. It's so easy to hate. It takes guts to be gentle and kind. <laughs> Over. <laughs> right. Take it away, Shani. Thank you very much, Shani. Right. 
going to be short and sweet here uh, tonight. A pretty interesting, a pretty insane uh, Bellator card here on Saturday night. I believe 14 finishes <laughs> out of 14, which is pretty mad, which is pretty unprecedented, I think. Uh, Nick Newell, I suppose, was the, the main one on the undercard. He got a first round uh, arm triangle submission over Corey Browning. Looked really good when I saw that fight. Uh, the I tweeted out the, the finish, the arm triangle. Uh, that looked absolutely great. So, uh, look, Nick Newell. I suppose he'll get another chance in Bellator now. And they brought him in on this. And I believe it was on a one-fight contract. Uh, obviously, he was in the uh, in the UFC, in the um, Dana White's Contender Series on a one-fight contract as well. And didn't get the contract after that fight. Um, so, hopefully, we'll get a chance now in Bellator. The one thing I would say about Nick Newell... Um, I saw him saying during the week that he didn't want to be the fighter who's known as the fighter with one hand. And, like, he needs to be realistic about that. Right? Imagine if Conor McGregor didn't want to be known as the Irish fighter. Like, <laughs> that'd be the worst step he would have ever made. Right? It, like, if Conor McGregor didn't want to be known as the Irish fighter, he would... You know, he'd just be known as another fighter. Okay, he was a great fighter, he was a great talker and all, and... You know, you could say it doesn't matter what country he came from. But he made being the Irish fighter his own. You know, and other fighters, what they're known for, what, you know, they stand out as. They make themselves known for that. And I think Nick Newell can do that as well. Make him, like, to me, and, you know, to everyone listening to this podcast, we all know what Nick Newell is. You know, we've seen him World Series fighting back in the day. Okay, he got destroyed by Justin Gaethje. Many, many people have. But we saw that he's a good fighter. And Nick Newell, whether he's a one-handed fighter or a two-handed fighter, we know he's a good fighter. We know, okay, he might never be a champion. But most lads in the UFC might never be a champion either. Most lads in Bellator might never be a champion. But there's still room for a lot of good fighters. And Nick Newell is one of those fighters. We all know he's able to fight you know, in the Bellator or in the UFC. But for people who are probably not listening to this podcast, you know, casuals, people who are tuning in to, to um, you know, Paramount over in uh, over America or on Sky Sports in the in the UK and Ireland, and they say, he's fighting with one hand and he's beating guys. You know, that's that's a drawing card. He's mo- Ariel always calls him Musi TV, and he is Musi TV. So for him to shy away from that, I think that's bad. I think he shouldn't shy away from that. He is great. With what he is, not I, I was going to say despite what he is, but not with what he is. He's a he's a very very good fighter. You know he uses it to his advantage. Okay, it'll work against him and lot lots of people. You know they have their their issues, and he has a huge huge issue which he has to get past, which he does get past an awful lot. But I don't think there's anything wrong with you know being known as a one handed fighter who is absolutely great. And in fairness, like it's not that there's anything wrong with it. I actually think there's an, a benefit for it. You know, so if you use it. To your advantage, and I'm the greatest fighter in the world, and I'm one-handed, and I don't give a fuck. You know, <laughs> I think that he can use that. So Nick Newell, I'm glad he got the win here. You know, Corey Browning, good fighter as well, fair play to him. Uh, but a good win for Nick Newell. Uh, Sabah uh, Homasi, he was a good fighter as well. He fought a couple of times in the UFC, I believe. He got a good win here in the undercard. Um, Tyrell Fortune as well got a submission. On the main card, Yaroslav Amasov moves to 22-0, and I believe. Uh, got a win over David Rickles, so that's always a big win, you know, over David Rickles. Uh, Chelsea Allen kind of cut a promo on him afterwards. Uh, I don't know whether he wants to fight him or not, but uh, he kind of cut a promo on him saying, you need to call out a name when you're 22-0 and you're not calling a name, which is, you know, pretty right, you know. Uh, I think uh, John McCarthy asked him, what does he want next? And a 22-0, uh, what he probably should have said was a fucking step up, <laughs> you know, so that's prob- probably what he needs. Uh, Alejandra Lara, then she got a very, very good uh, win over t- uh, Taylor Turner, uh, TKO in the first round, uh, and Vitaly Minikov got a, a knockout over Tim Johnson as well, uh, a KO in the first round, he came up right over the top, uh, after a, a kick to the body with a right hand over the top, then a second right hand, uh, that really knocked him, knocked him out, put him on, on the seat of his floor, uh, or the, the seat of his floor, the seat of his pants, uh, and uh, a, a couple of, uh, I suppose standing Goffin nails, <laughs> maybe you'd call him, uh, finished him off uh, in that fight. Uh, I believe something happened there where I haven't got the full story yet, but I believe there was uh, Vitaly Minikov was supposed to fight someone else, and Tim Johnson came in on short notice, 
Uh, I'm not exactly sure what happened there. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm just reading here. Vitaly Minikov was originally scheduled to face Javier Ayala on the card. However, on the day of the event, it was announced that Ayala was pulled from the fight by the Connecticut Boxing Commission due to undisclosed medical error. As a result, Timothy Johnson moved from the preliminary bout uh, to face Minikov in the coming event. So, there, yeah, there you go. There, <laughs> there's the story. I just learned it myself. Thank you, Wikipedia. Um, so, yeah, look, unfortunately, Jesus, Timothy Johnson takes a fight in Charnos and only lasts over just over 100 seconds. So, that's... Now, fair play to him for taking it. Uh, a change in opponent. Hopefully, gets another fight there in Bellator. I'm sure he will. But uh, yeah, good win for Vitaly Minikov. And in the main event, uh, Sergey Haritonov versus Matt Mitrion. Another mad fight. You know, their first fight ended in like 14 seconds after a kick to the balls. This fight ended after uh, Haritonov knocked Mitrion's mouthpiece out four times. Dan Morgliata said to Mitrion, "Keep it in your um, in your mouth, or I'm going to deduct the point." Uh, he knocked it out once more. Mitrion like panicked. Haritonov hit him with an uppercut, dim with a knee, and knocked him out. Uh, so that's, I believe, that's the second time Mitrion has actually been KO'd in his career due to a, a mouthpiece falling out. It happened against Ryan Nelson as well in, in the UFC. So that was very unfortunate for him. Obviously, you know Haritonov was, you know, was winning the fight. Was doing better than Mitrion. Uh, look, Mitri- uh, Mike Goldberg, I think, or uh, Big John McCarthy, actually on the commentary was kind of saying, "Oh, Mitrion is is pushing forward. This is where he wants to be." Um. But I wasn't hundred percent buying that. You know, he was winning. He was probably winning the fight. But Hartana was landing shots, uh, and then he was taking over a little bit, pushing forward as well. And especially when Mitrion got his mouthpiece knocked out. Uh, he was he was beginning to look, uh, to land forward. But it was another odd fight. Uh, it was probably one where if you're Bellator at this stage, you probably just make the trilogy, see how it goes. You know, it might be another odd fight again uh, to draw people in. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, no, that was that anyway. Yeah, Bell for 225, as I said there. Uh, that was that was basically it. You know, a good, good win from Nick Newell, good win for Sergey Haritan, a very good win for Vitaly Minikov. Uh, and that was that. Um, all right, I'll, I'll let you go there. Graham gave the inspiration quote uh, of the week earlier on, so I'll, I'll leave it at that. And uh, I'll see you all uh, next week or over on uh, over on Patreon. If you have any questions coming out of this podcast, in them on patreon.com for severe podcast. Uh, the Patreon QA will be out. Um, on Tuesday morning, questions at severemma.com uh, to email or at severemma pod. You can tweet us questions. Follow me at Sean GNBA. Follow Graham at severemma. Uh, actually, subscribe as well. I was actually looking at our kind of our analytics and stuff as well. So there's a, a lot of uh, there's a big percentage of people who actually listen to this podcast who aren't subscribed. So if you're listening to this on iTunes, Podcast Republic, SoundCloud, especially SoundCloud and iTunes, uh, especially and and actually Spotify as well you know subscribe even if you're listening to this on podcast public and you say and you're like oh I, li- I have itunes as well or i have spotify as well subscribe there you know it's not it's no harm having two different subscriptions they won't download onto your thing anyway you just be subscribed you'll get uh the podcast in your feed or whatever so yeah do that so you'll be helping us out leave a leave a review on itunes and everything like that it'd be it'd be a great help to us all right thanks very much everyone i'll see you all next time good luck <laughs>